What would you do if you got scammed? Would you suffer in silence or would you do something about it? Well, I got scammed once and this is the story of what I did. I'm Justin Sales, the host of The Wedding Scammer, a true crime podcast from The Ringer. And for seven episodes, we're hunting a con man, a guy with a lot of aliases, a guy who's ruined a lot of weddings. And with the help of some friends, I just might be able to catch him. Listen to The Wedding Scammer starting October 17th. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, Restrictions all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome to Food News. I'm Juliette Littman. And I'm David Jacoby. Let's put 30 minutes on the clock. 30 minutes. If you want to call in, give us a call. We'd love to hear from Be you. Be part of the pod. 646-STU-138. Important note, I, Jacoby told me to wait until the end. Why are you doing this? We really want to hear from you, but we are not experts on basically anything, so we don't have food recommendations for you. That's all I want to say. I'm experts on some things, but we can discuss that later. Let's begin our first story of the day. Remember Blue Apron? Of course. Did you do any ad reads for Blue Apron of in your course. lifetime? Any podcaster <laughs> has done some Blue Apron ad reads and gotten a code to get some free Blue Apron goods and cook some Blue Apron meals. There was a real Blue Apron moment. Where it like, was, I'm going to say 2014. Yeah, where like it was not only on every podcast, but also... People were Just doing Blue Apron. the zeitgeist. Yeah, people were like doing the home meal yeah. box. Well, Blue Apron, um, it's been a downturn for them basically since it went public in 2017. And they have now sold to a company called Wonder Group for $130 million. Jacoby, hmm. do you think that's a lot or a little, little for Blue Apron? It's a little. You think it's like a deal? That is a steal deal. I mean, I haven't looked into the financials. Per se, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> if someone were to say to me without before I read this, and someone said, "How much is Blue Apron worth?" I would say half billion dollars. Well, it was originally valued at one point nine billion when it went public in twenty seventeen. Well, that's not that long ago. I know. And then in twenty seventeen, it had annual sales of eight hundred eighty one million, and in twenty twenty two, it was down to four hundred fifty eight. So it's probably even lower. 
if you're doing 458 in just net revenue, you're probably worth over $130 million. <laughs> Listen, I'm, I know I'm, I went to business school. You did? Yeah. You went to Stern? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, the meal kit world, I feel like also COVID should have been really good for meal kits. Uh, yeah. There's a, it's a Peloton is like this too. It's like, how did you guys mess up COVID? I know. It's just really weird. All right. I just wanted to share that with you. Let's move on. Great news. Business news off the top. (laughs) Next, you sent us a link from a website called Nations Restaurant News, NRN.com. I was really excited about this because back when we first started doing food news at Grantland, I started following them on Twitter. Mm. So I was wondering, do you follow them on Twitter too? I will now. Is this how it came to you though? Like, how'd you get this article? No idea. That was like four days ago. (laughs) Well, I was excited because I was like, I follow them too. (laughs) Anyway, this story is a consumer trend piece. And the headline is how 6 p.m. became the new 8 p.m. and breakfast became early lunch. So this 6 p.m. deal is not new. The New York Times, like exactly one year ago, had an article about how it's much harder to get a 6 p.m. reservation than an 8 p.m. reservation. Mm. So, yes. And I, by the way, like, I'm on board. I, like, I mean, yeah. If, like, from a, a, a subjective perspective, yeah. Duh. Yeah. I'd like to have a 545 reservation to be served my food around 610. Yeah. That's, like, ideal timing for me. Well, as we learned on the Spain trip, Juliet depreciates over time. <laughs> yeah. Every day. So like a, like a, a 10 p.m. reservation is ridiculous. You're not even going to get Julia. Oh, my God. No way. 8 o'clock, you're not eating till like 8.45. No fucking way. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about like the general populace in a second. But like if you are planning to have a meal with Juliet, brunch is preferred. Definitely. I love a breakfast. You're going to get the best Juliet. I'm very available. Can I just tell you like one quick personal anecdote really quickly? Nope. It's, it's related to this, please. Yes. Yesterday, I accidentally took a nap from 5.45 to 7.45. We talked about this before the pod. It's an insane time <laughs> and length of nap. It didn't. I wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. No one's ever done that before. <laughs> it was not intentional. When I woke up, it like kind of took me a little bit to stir, so I don't really get off the couch until like eight fifteen. Did you have? Like, I'm sorry to interrupt. Did you have one of those wake ups where you like you just lost time and space? That happens to me sometimes. I'm yeah. like, Morning, night. You have to go to work. I What's just, happening? My phone started buzzing, and I was like, "What's going on?" Anyway, I was like, "Fuck!" It's eight fifteen. I missed the window on dinner, and I just didn't have dinner. Oh, I don't even know how to respond to some of the things that you say. <laughs> And it was like it's not a window. It's not a window on dinner. You have dinner at midnight. You can just eat no. food. You can still eat. I just felt I had missed the window on okay, dinner. Okay, that's different. I'm glad you made that amendment. Well, that's what I meant. Anyway, six is the new eight worldwide. And but what was really interesting in this article to me was the shift in morning habits from uh, R.J. Hatovi. Yes, at uh, Placer.ai, which I went to. And it's basically like a foot traffic tracker. That sounds awesome. It does sound awesome until it says, like, search any brand or business, and then you search a business and nothing comes up. I search lock alone, nothing. I search pliables, nothing. So, like, I think it's like, doesn't mean, when they say search any brand or business, they mean you can search what? any brand or business, Probably but they like might not have results for it. A minimum number of locations of like 50. Oh, no, no, they had specific locations. Like, I, I ended up finding, like, uh, I searched, uh, I forget what it was, but it was like uh, the one in Boston on this oh, street. Cool. Yeah, it's a cool. Cool product. But RJ was quoted a lot in this. He he uses the main source. He's the the main source. And he explained that people have basically shifted from getting their coffee in the six to nine window to the nine to nine to 12 window instead. I think it's important to recognize that he is saying this is all due to the pandemic and two forces. One is migration, people moving. Uh, I think he said two million people moving from urban areas to suburban areas. Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> For some reason, when you said migration, I started thinking of like the large scale dioramas at the Natural History Museum of like the deer that like. And that's just, you started laughing. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> You're the best. I don't know why. I was like imagining you narrating like a like a nature movie about migration. <laughs> Your own like fantasy visual daydreams while I'm speaking just lead you to laughter and distract me from my thoughts. <laughs> I'm sorry. I appreciate it though. <laughs> it, was, it was well worth the tangent. Carry on. Okay. Um, it's the migration of people moving from urban areas to suburban areas during the pandemic, which happened a lot. I'm not even going to look at you. And also the work from home thing. And the work from home thing, I wanted to bring this up as you mentioned the times, because the work from home thing seems to be the main driver definitely. specifically of the coffee situation. But continue. No, it's definitely true. Like, for example, this morning on my way to work, I walked here and I dropped into Hungry Ghost and I got my coffee and a breakfast taco at like 9, 11 a.m. So Sounds great. It was. Did you say like 9, 11 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. Exactly 9, 11 a.m. I did look at my watch. I was like, okay. what time is it? I, yes. was on, I was on a schedule. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's sort of it. I just thought that was really interesting that people are, you know, they're having a casual morning. But I also get it because if you're working from home, you could do a little bit of work, check in, go out, get a coffee, come back home, have your first call at 1030. You know, it, it makes sense. They had some interesting data that I found from RJ, my guy. Um, August, from pre-pandemic to now, the drop, it was now 35% drop in people going to the the office. And I said to myself, oh, well, it's probably people on vacation. And I was like, wait a second. It was still August before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, so we literally have like a third of the people that are just not going there anymore. And there was growth in the coffee. It was flat. The coffee places they did, Tim Hortons, Dunkin' Donuts, and Starbucks. Starbucks like yeah. the big three is what they call it in the industry. And, <laughs> um, and it, it was flat from six to nine. But they saw growth from 9 to 12 and also 12 to 3. Mm -hmm. And the thinking is, and this is just no longer quantitative. He's just sort of like, you know, putting his thoughts on it. The thinking is that people are kind of hanging there and working from there more than pre-pandemic because people are just nomad workers now. Yeah. I, Hungry Ghost was packed at 9-11. Yeah. So, should we move on? Yeah. It's time for the heist of the week, everybody. It's Jacoby's time to shine. This is one of my favorite heists. Jacoby, take us to Philadelphia. Okay. Um, specifically, 1800 block of Germantown Road, right? Yes. And it's in the Kensington District. I looked at it on the map. It's sort of like in north, the edge of, south edge of North Philadelphia. Okay. Um, it is an industrial area. I went to the street view. And there was some B-roll used by the news read of this as well. So it looks like there's a lot of uh, trailer tractor trailer shipping things going on in this area. Um, at 1.45 a.m., police respond to a theft in progress. As they approach, this is a very important detail that we're going to get back to. As they approach, they saw vehicles fleeing the scene, and then they went to the tractor trailer. The driver of the tractor trailer was, quote, unquote, asleep, and the there was, um, now this is, Okay, and they were still locked. It was locked. It was relocked or locked. Can I ask a question? Yeah. They responded to a report of a theft in progress at 1.45 mm -hmm. a.m. Mm -hmm. The driver was sleeping. Yes. Who reported the theft? Who I, knew? There are so many questions. Who knew this was a theft and not just like an unloading? Exactly. Like, are we sure it was a theft? And, and also, who's reporting it at 1.45 a.m.? in Kensington. And another question is, just just read the articles, read this piece. How, what is the quantity of crab clusters that were stolen? <laughs> Do you want to explain what a crab cluster is? Yeah, of course. Snow crab, a crab cluster, is all four legs of each side of the crab come together in one spot. So if you get like king crab, you get one individual leg, but a snow crab, you get the cluster, all four together, like a it, claw. The legs and the claw, it yeah. It looks like a gigantic dragon claw, but it's really just legs of a crab. Per the Washington Post, 
Missing from inside the truck were 184 cases of crab clusters. Okay. And then it says, and then in parentheses, it says 30 pounds. And on the news read, the guy said 30 pounds as well. But it also says $73,000 worth of crab. So I was like, wait a second, let me do some math. So if it's 30 pounds, one pound of this crab is worth $2,433. Okay. Yes. That's some expensive crap. Right? Really expensive. And then I was like, maybe minutes. each case is 30 pounds. So it's 184 cases, 30 pounds a case, which seems much more logical, right? Because that ends up at a $13.22 per pound. That, that's a more reasonable price because yes. it usually costs in a restaurant like $50, $60 a pound. So that means that if that's true, right? So if I give you those two options, it's either $2,433 a pound or $13 a pound. Which one seems more logical? Uh, the latter. Of course. But that means there's 5,520 pounds, which is insane. Which is the only, okay, so there's multiple. Can the truck even carry that? I think so. How much did you say it was? 5,000 pounds? That's insane, but like. That's two and a half tons. That's, that's, that's insane. I think that's too heavy for the road. But like, you but can't go to the way station doesn't with make that. any sense either. No, it doesn't. That's the part, I just, I'm, I'm baffled. That's why I did all this math. I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Is it 30 pounds or is it 5,000 pounds? And there's multiple vehicles involved. That's made me think maybe it is 5,000 pounds because if you're going to, whether it's an inside job or not, you know, I always lean towards inside job if you <laughs> with, listen to this podcast. With an, with an unexplainable heist, you always assume yes. it's an inside yes. job. But it, then the multiple vehicles thing, it's like, oh, okay, maybe they use multiple vehicles because it's 5,000 pounds. But then I'm like, wait a second, that's a lot. That's but a lot of crap. Do we know it's multiple vehicles? Well, they said the police said they saw multiple vehicles fleeing oh, the scene fleeing, as oh, they arrived. Not just the one truck. Because I was thinking about the one truck that was stolen. I don't think not stolen. Not sorry. That was vandalized, burglarized. Yes. Burgled. Burgled. I don't think one truck can carry five thousand pounds. Two exactly. and a half tons. So I'm just so, the math does isn't mathing. I think there's a lot of misinformation. The Washington Post to its credit does not list the thirty pounds piece of it. But other other places do, and the news read to the video, the guy said 30 pounds. Okay, but maybe that was like just Incorrect. Rough. Yeah. Uh, that's what I think happened. It must have been incorrect. But also the 184 cases, I think 30 pounds per case sounds about right, because 30 pounds is a nice carrying weight. It's mm -hmm. like heavy but doable, right? So that's, but then 184 cases of 30 pounds, it's 5,000, that's insane. So I don't understand exactly the quantity of the crab that was stolen. And another thing is, so imagine you're, you're sleeping in a tractor trailer, which happens, right? They kind of make these things with beds sometimes so for like overnight... Yeah, drivers. the Washington Post article explains that it's actually like, if you're going to burgle, go for a food truck for like one of these giants, not like your taco truck, but yes. you know, a large cargo truck with foodstuffs because it's usually not insured. It's usually there's no cameras on it. Like mm. it's much, it's a much easier to execute theft than like a jewelry store. So this is common and as is the driver sleeping. Like that's another like common occurrence. Yes. And if you are a sleeping driver, I would like to think that if someone unloaded whether 30, somewhere between 30 and 5,000 pounds of my product, <laughs> I would notice. Especially well, if, the expert said they probably wouldn't hear because it's then, such a big truck. But the police came and said that it was sealed with a, a metal plate and a padlock. It didn't make any sense. So they re Do they unlock it and then relock it? Which is what I would do if I had the key or means to open it without like smashing without, like, it, breaking, breaking it. it. Yeah. yeah. Someone probably like, you know, in the Italian job, Charlene Theron's um, character, she can like break into a safe by, yeah. by touch. Of course. It's probably something similar. Yeah. Like that. Something like that. So that's how I'm imagining it. But I uh, obviously I called the police. The, <laughs> obviously, that's what I do. And obviously I couldn't get in touch with anybody. I got I, I got someone on the phone. I was like, I have some questions about the crab heist. And this lady's like, huh? And I was like, <laughs> oh, there was like a crab robbery. And she's like, yeah, hold on a second. And then she goes, and then she comes back, and when she like unmutes it, she's laughing. 
She's like, <laughs> so sorry. Um, I have to send you to someone else. And I talk, basically, she sent me to 311, and I got someone on the phone there, and then they sent me to the press number, and the press number went to voicemail, left a voicemail, no response, and the, the voicemail had an email. I sent an email, no response. The thing about 311 is it's generally like a see something, say something kind of hotline. For you, it's a read something, tell me something yes, hotline. exactly, exactly. <laughs> and it was also a lot about garbage. Like, like, you know, the voicemail was basically like the first 20 seconds of the voicemail was garbage. Like the different times you could pick up, drop off, this and that, separating, recycling. It was a lot of garbage talk. And then it was like seven seconds of like, leave a message. I can do garbage talk for a while. I have a new pod. Yeah, garbage talk. I'll just tell you about the times I go to the transfer station and sort my trash. It's had a really big impact on me. (laughs) I'm sure. All right. Thanks for that breakdown, Jacoby. Let's move on to another story. If anybody has any information, call the number 646-2138. 646-2138. All right. Next, a story that I find quite intriguing. Alaskan Airlines has mm. teamed up with Stumptown Coffee to create a coffee blend that tastes better in the air. Now, and- before, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to say again, if you're listening to this podcast, did you have the same thought that I had? When you like read this or heard this, I was like, huh, do things taste different on airplanes? Please continue, Julia. <laughs> well, Jacoby, I'm going to answer that right now. Taste and smell are inextricably combined, and people's sense of smell is significantly altered in the sky. Food and drinks taste different because pressurized cabins lower blood oxygen levels, which reduces the ability of olfactory receptors i.e. the ability to smell. The extremely dry air of the cabin with its humidity levels lower than that of the Sahara Desert also affects the nose. That is from CNN. I always have great hair on an airplane, and that's because there's no humidity. The airplane? The airplane, exactly. Really? Yes. Huh. Always looks good. No humidity at all. Huh. So, Stumptown and Alaskan Airlines um, got together, and they've made something called um, Holler Mountain, It's a medium dark blend for the base, and then they infuse it with punchier notes that taste like marshmallows, brown butter, and toffee, as well as a, quote, delicate hint of citrus oils and cherry essence. I am intrigued by this because I generally hate coffee on a plane, but, like, often want to drink drink it because I'm tired, and there's Mm. just, like, all these barriers to enjoying coffee once Mm. I'm on there. And this is really intriguing. Plus, I like Stumptown coffee. In fact, Hungry Ghost, which I mentioned earlier, brews Stumptown, so I have it pretty frequently. Um... This is great, and I love that they're putting so much attention into their um, in-flight coffee. I I think this is great as well. Just the idea that I just learned that things taste and smell different on a plane is, is going to change my life forever. Yes, and it also, like, it's, you're like, yeah, it makes total sense. But I never really thought about it in the scientific terms before. I also had no idea that the air on the plane was drier than the Sahara Desert. Nor I. I had no idea. <laughs> Me neither, but I, again, checks out based on my hair, so. And I also... When I, too, will enjoy a cup of coffee at the end of a flight, because usually I like try to sleep on flights, and um, what I don't like about that coffee, it's an inferior coffee, which is, I'm glad they did this, and I also feel like the milk I'm at the end bad. of a flight, that's what's going with next, at the end of a flight, guess what they have at every airplane? A Starbucks or a coffee place. So I'm like, I'm minutes away from a much better cup of coffee, can I just hold out for that one? And the milk situation. It's very bad. It's never good. No. I hate the powdered milk the The powdered most. is ridiculous. The like little, like the diner packets of cream, also exactly. not good. Yes. Just really bad. My move these days when I have a flight is I, I bring a water bottle and I use it. I go to the lounge, get coffee and bring it with me on the plane if I have time. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's gross. 
I would never, I have a, a strict policy against non-water items going in reusable water bottles. Oh, interesting. I feel okay. like the, the taste is there I get forever. It. I get it. Are you a metal guy, plastic? What's your what's your material of choice? Um, I don't have a carry around water bottle. Um, my wife has four or five thousand. Same. Um, yeah, <laughs> yes, at least. <laughs> I also love buying them. We have a full like cupboard. We don't have a lot of cupboards in our kitchen. We have a full just for her water bottles. Yeah, I, I also like genuinely enjoy buying a new one. I'm like, oh, interesting. I oh, should I get did, this. I went on a trip around Europe with your water bottle, <laughs> and you brought it up in conversation. I don't know. 45 times? I took more pictures of my water bottle than of myself. Yes, or me. <laughs> or you. <laughs> Thank you very much. But but um, but I do like your movie. If you were an insane person that doesn't mind how water tastes, I get that you could do that because it's, today's hot. It's good. Yeah. And I, I know I'm going to like it. The big thing about coffee is knowing I'm going to like it. Everyone has their own coffee preferences. So if mm-hmm. you know it's going to meet your needs, like you should pursue it. It might not be great for you, but for me, it works. But you when you when you wash it and then drink water from it, do you pretend you don't taste the coffee? Because you taste the coffee. Yeah, it goes away, though. No, it doesn't. Um, dishwasher it. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Okay. Maybe we should, you have a more sensitive palate than I. I'm not in the plane, apparently. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, another story from the Washington Post. This one is about California. Uh, it's written by Emily Heil. And um, there are certain restaurants, this is focusing particularly on the Bay Area, where um, there's a bottom where restaurants where they have bottomless mimosas, there's a new charge if you throw up. If you go too crazy, they will charge you $55 um, for your vomit. And it's pretty... Seems like, first of all, that's too low. I think the punishment (laughs) for vomiting in a restaurant should be much more than $55. Counterpoint, I think that the Uber should have a very high charge for vomit. Like oh, yeah. 150, 200 oh, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Restaurants oh. a little bit different. They're used to cleaning up messes. I feel like they can get rid of it quickly. The smell is $55? Less- just 50, not even 55. Oh, that is way too low. I think you should, you should, it should deter behaviors. And I don't think 55 dollars is enough to deter behavior. That's how I feel about parking tickets in New York. I'm like, the parking ticket $60 is four times 60, but it's, the, it's once, a, once a week in my neighborhood, is much cheaper than parking in a yes. garage. Yes. And if I get like two a month, that's like, like cheaper than going, taking the subway for Way a week. cheaper. So they got to raise those prices yes. to deter me. They, again, <laughs> it's like you put the, the fine in there to deter the behavior. I don't think that's enough. And I also feel like a couple things. I'm old, right? So I just want to dis- discuss this. Sometimes I want to just impart the wisdom that I've learned in my many years upon our younger listeners. Do not ever, ever drink bottomless mimosas. So I live in San Francisco as a young person from the ages of 22 to 25. Mm. Bottomless mimosa brunch is a big part of the fabric of the Bay Area. I can confirm that. I never once did it. Ooh. But it is like a real thing. I guess it is everywhere. I guess, you know what? I, that makes sense because you're so closer to Prosecco makers. <laughs> yeah, it's because you know you're so I mean? close to Napa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the that's the Prosecco they use, right? Yeah, of course. That's the thing. It's like I've, I've spoken Straight to people. Corbell. I've spoken to people that do this at restaurants, and they're like, "We buy the Prosecco in bulk, and it costs like a dollar and twenty five cents a bottle." Yes, yeah, so they're making a ton on it, and it is the grossest stuff you can drink. Yeah, I will say I went to the Corbell. I've been to the Corbell like vineyard multiple times. Great place, oh, yeah. tons of free samples. Check it out. It's in Sonoma. Nice. I do love it there. You love samples. Um, I really do, especially when it's like a free champagne. But I guess that's like costing them nothing. Um, in general, like a bottomless boozy brunch, bad idea. It's gonna ruin your weekend. It'll ruin your day. You just plan a nap. 
Well, It'll be fun. For me, that's not a problem. <laughs> no, it is a problem. <laughs> that is a huge problem. The planning part, the napping part isn't a problem. Well, whatever. Let's move on to our taste test. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. So I just want to take some credit for this one. Yeah. Please. I was walking around and I was take like, away. I saw Chip City and I was like, there's Levant, there's Chip City, there's Insomnia. And they've all got these great chocolate chip cookies and they all come in different shapes. And why don't we just compare and contrast these on food news? So I have had, I've never had these all at once. I had Levant. I've had Chip City. We've had it together. And having them all at once is insane. I've never had Insomnia. <laughs> so I'm very excited. Oh, great. Insomnia is the smallest of the three. Yes. It's like something you might make at home. If you live in a place that doesn't have these, the Levant and the Chip City cookies are not cookies. They're mounds of cookie. It is like probably um, at least 60% of your caloric intake for the day to have one. Yes. Um, the Levant cookie is very heavy on chocolate chips. Like very heavy. Well, first of all, let's just say heavy period. Yeah, heavy <laughs> like, period. Like this thing is... I believe these all deliver through the mail now. So wherever you are, you could get these. Insomnia in New York is like a delivery business. Like it, yes. it, you can get it and it comes to you like 10 minutes later. Um, you can always tell how popular delivery is at a restaurant by how many dudes are outside with motorbikes. Oh my God. Well, you know, I love to talk about that as it relates to the Chick-fil-A and <laughs> yes. um, but, uh, Shake Shack down the street. Um, Jacob's, my parents' neighborhood is like the cookie mecca of the world at this point. It has, mm. it has all of this. Plus it also has Crumble and William Greenberg like in a one mile radius. It's wow. like, it has like a lot of cookies. So I've, when you suggested it, I was really excited because I've been thinking about this, like the cookie moment we're living in. It used to be cupcakes. It was Froyo at one point. Right now, it's definitely giant cookies. Well, since we're doing this, um, you can start. But while you're eating, I just want to ask you a question. I'm going to insomnia first I never had it. What are the qualities that we're looking for, right? Like when I'm thinking, I like a little salt and I also like mm. heavy chip density. I want the chip ratio. So insomnia... I really like 
It tastes like something you would make at home, though. Like, I'm not sure I could imagine ordering this in if I didn't, if I wasn't like very mm. close to a grocery store. It's I don't really like this. You don't. Why not? No. I mean, too, first of all, too low have, end for you. We're, we're grading on a chocolate chip cookie curve, right? So, of course, it's good. It's a chocolate chip cookie, right? That's why I get that out of the way. But um, it was a little um, no crisp at mm. all. And uh, the I didn't really get too much chip, just, yep. a, just a lot of dough. I like the dough. I like a brown sugar cookie. Like, I like a chocolate chip cookie recipe minus but, chocolate chips. That's insane. That's that. That is, I mean, every week, that's one of the things I love about this pod. <laughs> One time in college, my college roommate made that for me for my birthday. Now we're going to Chip City, which the the Chip City has a lot of wild flavors. Yeah, like the we're sort going, of the we're branding going and like the vibe of these three places is all very different. It kind of looks like um a department store that I can't remember from our past. And Chip City has like it, the cookie has a face on it and it's in like big eyes. And it looks sort of like an animated like kids kids thing. This tastes like chocolate chip loaf to me, not a cookie. What do you mean by that? Like this is better. It reminds me of like the experience of eating banana bread. Minus banana. This is good. It's, it's good. crispier. The insomnia was a little chewy. It has a crunch on the outside. I don't like the inside that much. It's a little bit too bland for me. It is a little bland. I'm going to say that so far, I'm underwhelmed. Me too. I'm underwhelmed. Let's... Are you a milk person with your cookies? No, absolutely not. Oh, for not. me, it's like, it's like a, it's a, it's almost a necessity. Uh, no, absolutely. I've never been a milk person in my life. Onto Levanna. Honestly, just visually, it's the most appetizing by It's far. ridiculous. It's huge. It's huge. There's so, the chocolate chip density is very high. Oh, yeah. Not even close. Mm. This isn't even fair. Mm. This is not even fair. It's really good. This, that is, that, it, that no. I mean, this isn't even close. This, it's to true. me, it's far and away the best. Levanna. It's like going from college basketball to the NBA. Yeah, I was thinking it was like Mike Tyson fighting lightweights. Mm. That's what it felt like. Um, Levan is spelled L-E-V-A-I-N. If you're not like a French person, I'm not. I just want to say that out loud. If you want these, you should get these. LevanBakery.com. I cannot recommend these higher. 15 out of 10 would they're really, They're really good. Those are good. Too big. Delicious. I, also, at Levan, they have amazing brioche. I love their brioche. I just think that is not a single serving size for a single person. Also, I feel like for you, with your kids, if you bought one, they would be like, no, thanks. I need my own, right? That's the thing. It's like so annoying. It's like, bro, that's, that's, it's, first of all, this it weighs three pounds. Yeah. yeah. It weighs three pounds. And when I go by Levan, I see people walk outside with one cookie and they take their first bite. I'm like, you're going to eat that whole thing? Yeah. I know. It's there's a lot. A, there's a really good cookie place in my neighborhood. I'll, I'll bring them in for bite. you one time. They're Why called Bakehouse. I'm going to tell you my personal food news yes. while you eat. Yes. Yes. For the first time ever, I'm using my personal food news for a takedown. I love this. Juliet, just I'm going to take us behind the curtain. Juliet, we're going overtime, but Juliet said on the before the pod, she's like, "This personal, I have a lot of personal food news. I don't know which one to pick. One is angry. Should I do it?" And then you were like, "I'm going to tell you what it is, and you tell me if I should do it." And I was like, "No, you should do it. You should not tell me." And I'm so excited about this. Take the floor. Okay, I want to. I was having brunch with my parents and my friend. And which friend? My friend Catherine. She was visiting from oh, LA. Love Catherine. Yeah, we were. Then we went to Cape Cod after. I saw her on your Instagram. Yeah, we had a good time. Um, her sister and her cousin came as well. It was, it was a whole a whole thing. Catherine wanted to see my parents. We've been friends for a long time. She, you know, wanted to check in. So we went out for brunch. For brunch. The Upper West Side's on the way to Cape Cod. So we we stayed, we stopped there, met them up there. I was like... Who's getting taken down? I was like, let's go to Good Enough to Eat, which is like a real like standby, just a 
go-to brunch place on the Upper West Side. It's moved locations, used to be on the other side of Columbus. Very important question. Is it it called Good Enough or Good Enough to Eat? It's called Good Enough to Eat. Okay. Full name. That's weirder. It's Good Enough to Eat. I thought you were saying, let's go to Good Enough to Eat. No. It's called Good Enough to Eat, full name. Okay. Send the bar pretty low. It's, it's an establishment. It's been in the neighborhood a really long time. Okay. They, it's good food. They used to have like amazing biscuits. It's good. We got there. I was worried there'd be a line. There's often a line, but it was the really rainy weekend. It was the oh, day yeah. after the crazy weekend, floods. month. Yeah. Two minutes. And um, Catherine's meeting us there. She was seeing another friend first. So she reservations like, or no? No reservations. They asked us to wait online outside in the rain. Okay. There were tons of open tables and nobody else in line. So they could have let oh, us in. Oh, there was not a line. They were, they were like, no. Here's oh, the, they, they didn't like, have well, room because no. there's hundreds of people they waiting to They were like, queue up. Let us know when she gets here. And there was tons of open tables and it was raining. So I was like, all right, fine. This is ridiculous. But like, whatever. I just don't feel like moving to a different place. Like, we made a plan. So fine. We wait. She's approaching. There's a, finally, like after literally waiting for 10 minutes, another group of four is like right behind us. They seat them first, even though the hostess, I tell her, I'm like, she's right there. And she just like ignores me and seats the other group first. So whatever. Stupid rule. It's probably not up to the hostess to like change the rules because it's raining. They probably feel like they have to enforce it. Sure. Policy's fine. policy. Go policy's ahead. policy's fine. Have the meal. Mm-hmm. It goes quickly, like 45 minutes or so. Okay. And, um, you know, I've had this un- unpleasant beginning, but then my food was good, and they have really good homemade Catherine, butter. Your friend, your parents, just catch. We're catching up. It's like pl- it's like pleasant enough. A couple Br- laughs, French vibes. Yeah, whatever. I had good coffee. Someone comes over to the table. We are about to. We haven't paid the check yet. It's been about forty five minutes. It honestly hasn't even been an hour. I come over to the table, and they're like, "Hey, we need you to pay. We need to turn off the table. Seconds. We have a line outside." So we're like, "Okay, fine, we'll pay." We go outside. What level of done are you? Like done, done, done. Plates so, are cleared. Plates are still on the table, but we're like still drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. And they're like rushing us out. Like you need, we need to pay. We need the table back. We go outside. Are there empty tables around you? Yes. There's like one or two. It's gotten full. Okay. We go outside. There's no line. And there's no one waiting for a table. No one waiting for a table. Are you accusing them of lying? No, I'm accusing them of really shitty hospitality and being like, please wait in the rain and then please leave as soon as possible. I don't understand their motivation. Me neither. It, it, I don't understand how that's advantageous to them. Because if because there's I'm open certain, tables and there's no line. Back. I'm not going back after <laughs> that's this. That's what I'm saying. If there's open tables and there's no line, what, 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 where is, what do they stand to gain by getting you out of there? I don't know. The whole thing was inexplicable. There was like, you want us to stand in the rain to wait for a table while you have tons of open tables and there's no line. And then you want to get rid of us for a line that doesn't exist. I'm like, do you have a personal vendetta against me? That's that's where my head went. Is there's Maybe there's something you did or said that you didn't realize could be perceived as rude or a slight. I really don't think so. I'm like pretty nice at restaurants unless I'm no, hungry. And I wasn't. I've hung out with you for over a decade. <laughs> You've been to many restaurants. It was inexplicable, and I will not. I would take you air on the side of being too nice. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. It's not a compliment. Um, I take it as one because yeah. it seems like a hard job to be in the service industry, and people are like just like barking at you. So I try to overcompensate yeah. and be too nice, but I couldn't believe this. It was like just really bizarre. It's odd. And was it the same human communicating with you? Was it one single server? No. Like it was I, like, you said somebody came over. So it was like a, like a manager position. I don't know what their job was, but they weren't the hostess and they weren't my server. 
It was really weird. It was really, really weird. And I've literally been going to this restaurant like my whole life and I will never go again. Really? Yes. I'm sorry. I was like so offended by this experience. Huh. I'm sorry that happened to you too. Thank you. I it's it's weird. Like so I want to know I'm sorry to interrupt for like the ninth time on this pod. Here's my question. Okay. Was it so weird that it was like a 10-minute topic of conversation after you guys left? It was a I'm talking about this on food news. My dad was like, good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Mr. Littman. He was like, good idea. Good. They need to be be talked we about. We were all like never again. So, so it was the second you guys left, or when the person left the table, were you guys immediately like, what is going on? This is weird. Yeah, we we were just like, this is insane. Especially because we had they asked us to wait in the rain before. Did you talk about that when you were waiting outside? That they asked us to wait yeah. in the rain? Um, my dad was sort of like irritated and like shuffling yeah, yeah, around yeah. and stuff. But I don't know. It was weird, man. It's also just like, I understand, I understand that protocol this. is protocol. But like we're having um, like historic rains here in New York. People just like yes. left inside. <laughs> yes, people were like texting me. There's like one intersection of Brooklyn that was flooded. I, I and live like, right by if it. If you don't live in New York, and people think the entire five boroughs were just underwater. Like I was getting texts like, "Are you okay?" It's like that's one corner. It's Fourth Avenue and Carroll Street. Yes, and they sent every news camera to that one corner and to it get always floods. Yes. It always floods right yes. there. It is bad in Park Slope. I'm lucky I'm at the top of the slope, but. Um, yeah, it was ridiculous. That well, I'm sorry that happened to you, Thank and you. I will never be going to Good Enough to Eat. It's a bad name for a restaurant, anyway. It's just like I, I actually feel like the casual breakfast is kind of imperiled, and so to lose a place that I can go mm. is tough. But so be it. They screwed me over, and I won't be going back. Wow. Well, great. I'm gonna make mine brief. Okay. <laughs> um, I today um went to Koreatown as I do. Nice. And I had a like a hot pot, you know, bibim, tofu bibimbap. And one thing that happened to me, which happens at many Korean restaurants, which just doesn't get celebrated enough, is I sit down and I order. They leave. They come back. No, they just bring six plates of different kimchi appetizers. Sounds great. Six plates. Love it. I didn't ask. Like I didn't ask. Like sometimes you go to re- like a, a restaurant, they'll give you some bread. You know what I mean? It was like six plates, a wide variety of different kimchi treats that I can pick at while they make my food. And I was just thinking to myself, I was like, this is fucking fantastic. It really is. Korean restaurants in general, I I like basically always enjoy. Like at all all ends of the spectrum of like, you know, low end casual to yeah. a little bit more fancy Korean steakhouse. Like I like it all. Yes. It, it, it's always. I love to grace. Love a girl dinner. I love a girl dinner followed by a real dinner. <laughs> Only in the dinner window. <laughs> Only in the dinner window. <laughs> yes. What number can people call again? 646-STEW-138, but only with anecdotes like these, not looking for recommendations. And I just want to say, I'm really hammering this home because producer Mike told uh, us yeah, it was an issue. Before we started. Yeah. yeah. And I told you to wait till the end because it was a bad way to start the pod. Well, here we are. <laughs> We've done it both ways. They made it to here. <laughs> On that note, Mike, let's hear it. Hey, y'all. Greetings from Kentucky. This is Megan, and I'm just wondering what your food Roman Empire is. And by that, I mean a food that is gone but not forgotten, and you talk about it all the time. For me, it's Veggie Nation in Vegas. I miss those buffalo cauliflower wings or little bites. And also Billy's Dry Rub Wings in Lexington. Mm. So, what's the food that is gone, but you still talk about it all the time? All right. Can't wait to find out. First of all, Bye. Megan, I just love your voice. She's got a nice voice. I love radio her show. voice. That yeah. is a great, great accent. Megan it's like from not Kentucky. too thick. 
hint, but it's just Sounds a natural solid saying voice. y'all. Yes, exactly. Unlike me. That was a great, great, great voice from Megan. And and a good question. Because um, when she first said, what is your food Roman Empire? I was like, I don't know how to answer that. And she's like, let me explain. Like, Thank you very much, <laughs> Megan. Megan crushed it. Here's mine. Go. Um, Arctic Shatter Powerade. It was the perfect Ooh. beverage, the perfect sports drink. I, I loved it. I think it's just cherry flavored. It's cherry peach or something yes. like that. Arctic Shatter. It was so good. Are you a Gatorade girl? It's Powerade. And Powerade, I right. loved it. Yeah, I loved it. Wow. I think about it often because it was perfect. I'm just like, I wish it still exists. Wow. It just did. I think about it often. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's my food, Roman Empire. I think Empire. about it often? <laughs> yes. I think about it often. You know I'm weird, man. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> That's why I love you. I will say, um, mine is more experiential. Um, what is my favorite type of food? Um, Jacobian. Soup. Soup. And there was a place in LA. Soup plantation? Soup plantation. And if you are a soup connoisseur obsessive as myself, this is the perfect restaurant. <laughs> they, You go there, you pay like a, a cover charge, and they have just vats of soups, like 12, 15 vats <laughs> so of soups. Gross. And you can just grab a bowl and a tray and just fill it with four different types of soups and then go down to your table, eat it. They've got a uh, found sodas. It's a buffet of found sodas, ice cream, soft serve ice cream. They, they they also have like hard foods if you're into that weird kind of stuff. But like I can go. You make it sound like hard liquor. It's just yes, like yeah, hard non, foods. non-soup. Yes. Like hard drugs and hard <laughs> yeah. liquor. Yeah, it's hard, hard foods. They have the meth of food. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but like to be a soup person, and I eat soup almost every day, and to be a soup person and to Do be you? able to have, yeah, to be able to have five different soups or six different soups in one sitting is just absolutely perfect. And Soup Plantation, which I always found to be a weird name, but Soup Plantation is my food Roman empire. Great question. Megan. Great question. Were you a Hale and Hardy soup guy? Yes. It was good. Yes. Um, I also want to say to her, this is another personal food news. Can I just tack one on the end? Sure, yeah. Thank you very much for the permission. Um, I've recently been enjoying dry rub wings. Mm. I've always been a sauce wing person. Cool. Now I'm a dry rub person. Cleaner hands, huh? No, just better tasting. Oh, okay. I'm not into wings, but I support you. Thank you for the support. Um, thank you to Megan. Thank you to our producer, Mike Wargon. And don't forget, give us a call at 646-2138. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.